0: My name is Lauren Fryder, and my husband, Drew, and I are lead pastors at Lift Church. We are on the eastern shore of Maryland. We want to thank you so much for joining us today, and we are believing that you will get a lift of encouragement.
1: I want you to turn to Mark chapter 14. I always encourage you, bring your Bible to church. Some of you are like, I do the smartest thing I know to do with my smartphone, and that is I bring my Bible on my phone to church, and that'll work. Come on, tell your neighbor, that'll work come on, that'll work. Mark chapter 14, um, we're going to get into that in just a moment, but before I do, I'm going to give you two scriptures from Jeremiah first, and you can write these down in your notebook, but this is what it says in Jeremiah 6 verse 16. It says, stop at the crossroads And look around. Come on. Some of you already remember this when my friend and overseer Jimmy Rollins was here in the house and he preached from this scripture. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Come on. Look for the throwback and walk in it. Travel in its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you commonly reply, no, that's not the road we want. Come on. Isn't this to describe uh, sometimes our culture, sometimes our friends, sometimes the people we work with, sometimes our family members or extended family members, they tend to have this reply that says, I like the new way. I think I think something new is happening, and God's into the new. He says to write new songs and to sing new songs unto Him, and He says, "Behold, I do a new thing." But there is always a root of the old, the ancient ways, the the ways that don't defer from this. Come on, we oftentimes say that sometimes um, uh, programs uh, w- will change, but the gospel never changes. Right? Sometimes trends may change, but the gospel never changes. It, this scripture of this this encouragement to don't forget the old ways, even amidst all the new trends, reminds me a little about a viral video that went out back in 2015 about a little girl arguing with her daddy how to count numbers. Let's watch this real quick. Four, five.
0: No, that's one, two, three, five. No, one, two, three, four, five. No, just one, two, three, five. No, it's one, two, three, four, five. No, that's one, two, three, five. No, it's not one, two, three, five. It's one, two, three, four, five. No, that's 1, two, three, How are you going to tell me? <laughs> how are you going to tell me? I teach this every day. It's one, two, three, 4, five. No, five. that's one, two, three, five. No, no, it's 1, two, three, four five No, that's one, two, three, five <laughs> Aaliyah, it's one, two, three, four No mommy, that's
1: one, two, three, five
0: no. no, you're skipping four You're skipping four you can't just leave four out it's one, two, three, four five
1: No, that's one, two, three, five
0: No, no. That's not right. It's one, two, three, four, five No, that's one, two, three, five Aaliyah. I'm not going to keep going back and forth with you. It's one, two, three, four, five. five. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, Count to...
0: them.
1: <laughs> Come on. Sometimes the, the new and the trendy, the young, like to argue with the old and the proven. That is this way. And they don't oftentimes see that that is a foolish argument. Just because it's young, just because it's new, just because it's trendy, doesn't mean it knows it all. Doesn't mean that it is wise to leave the proven way. It is proven. If you count one, two, three, four, five, it's going to go better for you. You go ahead and put that into your new version of doing math. It'll still work better. Come on, common core. Common Core even uses a four. All right, okay, anyway. God, some people riled up in here. I don't know. I don't don't even know. All I know is that sometimes new trends and fads come, and we try to say this is the new way. Walk in it. Dating practices, and this is how you date now. If you're single, you've got to do it this way, or else you ain't ever going to find a man. You ain't ever going to find a woman. Sometimes gender associations, come on. That's a new trend and a new wave that comes in and says the old way is old school right so workplace workplace ethics sometimes get challenged justice and lawmaking right we gotta get the 10 commandments out of the laws god forbid we use something that's proven tried and tested in the midst of our land that was founded on these kinds of things you see how new things kind of come in and we try to say um we try to say that old stuff has no place anymore And we defer from the ancient path. It reminds me of the Incredibles where they say, now that's old school. Come on. We need something that's old school. Jeremiah 18, 15 says it this way. It says, my people have forgotten me. They have stumbled in the way they should go. They no longer follow the old ways. Somebody say throwback. Throwback. They walk instead on unmarked paths. They're taking these new trends. They're trying to go a new way. And, and, and see, communion, I, I love taking communion. And I asked my wife if she would lead that moment because I just wanted to participate in it. And one of the reasons I love it is because communion is one of those things, one of those ancient ways that throws me back in time instantaneously. It feels like that when we participate in taking the body and when we participate in taking the blood, in a a way, I can kind of see myself at the Last Supper table. I can hear Jesus doing it. What we did, he did. Like it connects me almost instantaneously in 2021 to that moment in time when Jesus spent his last night here on earth and he said, take all of it. Come on, this is not just what Jesus taught us to do. This is also what his followers and his best followers have been doing ever since. It connives us. Knies us. It, it connects us. It crowns us. New word. <laughs> uh-huh. It connects us, and we stay grounded. i got myself all messed up now. But you know what I'm saying. It keeps us grounded. And so today I want to revisit that moment of the Last Supper, and I actually want to walk in Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 14, and, and I want you to see how the moment almost got missed, okay? Go with me to Mark chapter 14, and this is what Jesus said to his disciples. It's a, it's a setup. It's his last day. For context, this is his last Um, um, Full day on earth The next day he's going to be crucified He knows that the disciples are having a hard time Understanding what he's saying And, And Jesus says this On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and prepare the Passover meal for you? In other words, what we would commonly now call the Last Supper. Where do you want to have the Last Supper? They were struggling with the concept that this was going to be their Last Supper with him, but this is what it was and what we would later call it today. Verse 13 says, So Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. Check out these specific instructions right here. As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner of the house. Now, uh, the owner is going to be our specific focus for today. Somebody say owner. owner. Say to the owner of the house that that man carrying a pitcher of water goes into. And you might say How is that specific? Aren't there a lot of people carrying water? No. In their culture, it was the woman's responsibility to go fetch water. It would have been women carrying water jars on their head. So the disciples were walking around going, lady, 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 lady. That's different. That's a man carrying water. Jesus said to follow the man carrying water. That's how they knew. And then he said, when you go in, when he enters a house, go find that owner. Someone say owner. And the teacher, and and say to the owner, the teacher asked, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. Somebody say it's a setup. You'll find a room that's already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. So the two disciples went into the city Probably talked along the way and said, what kind of crazy plan is this? Like, this is going to work out to a T like this. And then they found a man carrying water. And then they said to the owner, and the owner took him to a large room upstairs that was already set up. And they found everything just as Jesus had said. And so they prepared the Passover meal there. On this seventh week of Lift Summer, on Throwback Sunday, I want to preach a message. I've entitled Get a Room. Come on, tell your neighbor, get a room. You might you might want to holler that at somebody down the aisle from you. Get a room, come on. Any married folk up in here ever been yelled at? Get a room. You know what I'm talking about when they say get a room. People starting to get a little bit close. People start making things a little bit uncomfortable because their affection level and their intimacy level has gotten a little bit high. Today I want you to get a room with God. Okay, that. Yeah, okay, we'll go there. Let me, let me explain. Let me explain, okay? I'm intrigued by this owner's guest room think about this owner's guest room. The common person in their culture would have been so poor that they would not have been able to afford a very large house that had even one room, much less a guest room, an extra room beyond their um, uh, family's needs. Now clearly there was a, a, a wealthier man there who had an upstairs room. If you had a little bit more money, you might build an upstairs room which was a large guest room. We know that Elijah one time stayed in an upstairs guest room and 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 we know that this happened from time to time now some of us have guest rooms in our house and they look a little bit like this come on put up that first picture like this no not that well yeah yeah that's fine that's fine yeah I was out of order some of y'all got some guest rooms they look like this you're like man I could stay in that brother's house that'd be nice that'd be a nice reprieve most of us, if we got a guest room, it looks something like this. Oh, yeah, come on. That's what you're saying. All right, now you're speaking to me, Pastor, right? In fact, uh, latest trends say that 47% of Americans look around. Every other one of you, got a, every, 47% of households have a room that they throw all their junk into so that when their guests come over, they say, this room you're not allowed to go into. <laughs> this room's off limits. Come on. The trend used to be there was a kitchen drawer that all your junk went into. You know what I'm talking about. You open up that drawer. It won't even open because there's so much junk up in there. And, and things are hitting other things, and you're like, come on, Open. I once did that to our, our trash uh, door because it wasn't opening. That wasn't a wise construction move because I just figured with force, something's got to shift in there, and I yanked the whole handle off of the door. My wife went, that's great. That was a good call. If it doesn't open, just keep pulling. When we, I asked her to clean their room last week, they had the audacity to take everything that was out and showing, and they shoved it underneath the bed. And then they said, they'll never know. <laughs> they'll never figure it out. Sh- sh-. And you could hear them as you walked in going, sh- sh-. and you know, you didn't do this right. <laughs> I'm going to start looking in places you don't want me to look. Aren't there places in our lives we don't want God to look? Ooh, got, got a little serious too quick. Most Americans, 47% of the ones who admitted it said, I got a whole room now. That's just junk. <laughs> I've set up a sign that says, Do not open. I set up a sign that says, this area of my house is off limits. Or worse, you're like my grandmother who set up this white room in her house. Any of y'all had a grandmother who had this white room? It was in a den. That makes no sense if you got grandkids who are over under the age of seven years old. And my grandmother said, under no circumstances are you allowed in there. And if you were to go in there, you never go in there with your shoes on. Anybody else have one of those rooms and you're like, what's the purpose of that room other than just looking at? Because there are some of us have rooms in our life that's so buttoned up that we say no one can use it. No one can touch it. It's so easy to let stuff pile up and clutter up in our lives until we have areas of our lives that are off limits or that are so buttoned up that we think no one else can use it. And when Jesus looks to share a life-changing message with his last dinner on earth, he looks for a room already set up. Come on. He looks for a room that's already set up. He didn't say, go find any house and find any room and you can prepare it. He says, I want you to go find a room that's already set up for my purposes. Now, let me be very clear. In fact, before I say this, write this down. Significance is made in people's lives when they make room, when they make rooms that are already set up for God. Let me say that again. Significance is made in people's lives when they make rooms that are already set up for God. Let me clarify. Jesus ate at other people's rooms that weren't so tidy and that weren't so set up. The Bible says that he went and ate at tax collectors' houses. The Bible says he showed up and walked through one time and saw Zacchaeus up in a tree, and he said, today I must eat at your house. The Bible says that he ate with Pharisees all the time. And one time he ate with Pharisees, they didn't even wash his feet when they came in. Talk about something that would have been gross in their times because they didn't have cars. They only had horses and donkeys. And they kind of have a habit of dropping a load on the road. And when things start to rain, that all that junk kind of starts spreading out. Anybody get the picture here? And when you're walking with just sandals on, you might want to wash a brother's feet before they try to eat. And they said, you didn't even have the audacity, you didn't even even wash my feet before I ate with you. So Jesus is willing to enter anyone's house and eat with them. He will have a meal with you. He will enter into chaos and unprepared hearts, and he will eat a meal with you. But I want to challenge you today that real significance and purpose comes only to those who make a place and prepare a space. Jesus to begin to commune he'll eat with you you don't have to tidy up your heart you don't have to fix your life to the infinite degree for God to come in I remember when I met Jesus Christ I realized I'm a sinner you don't want to enter into this sinning brother and I realized I didn't have to go away and fix myself a that didn't work anybody testify and b I just needed God to come in and do the cleaning that I couldn't do but like Zacchaeus when he comes in and eats there should be a change in our heart after communing with God so much that you begin to say God I want to make a place and I want to prepare a space for you to move in Zacchaeus he said financially I'm making a place in my budget for you to have now it was not there before but I'm going to make a new place for you I'm going to prepare a space for you so that you can commune and be with me going forward in other words Jesus will come into the chaotic and unprepared. He'll eat a meal, but real significance and purpose comes only to those who make a place and prepare a space. I hope you understand by now, I'm not speaking about the cleanliness of your house. I'm speaking about the availability of your heart. Tell your neighbor, get a room. Get a room. Do you have a room in your heart for Jesus to come commune with you? See, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, I love weighing this next to this owner of the house. He says, do you not realize that you yourself are a temple of the Holy Spirit? In other words, I'm not talking about your guest room. I'm talking about you. Do you have room in your life? Is there a place set up for God? And I love that what the disciples found in verse 16 is they found that everything had been done just as Jesus had said. In other words, he already knows the state of your heart. He already knows if he sends his disciples to you, whether you have room in your life or not. He already knows if the Holy Spirit uh, uh, were to speak to you and challenge you here, have you made a place and have you prepared a space for God to move? Here's, with the rest of my time here, I, wanted, I want to encourage you. Here's four questions to prepare a room for God to move. Four cues. To prepare a room for God to move. I hope you'll write these down. I hope you'll take notes. Here's the first one that we can ensure, we can ask ourselves to see, do I have a room and a space that is a place for God to move? Number one, can God use your finances? Is there any room? Is there any space? Most of us are overextended. We have overspent we have used it all up on ourselves and more. There, there is more to, to, to there, there, we, we have negative balances at the end, right? There is more month than money oftentimes, right? And so we, we need to get to a place where we make a place and we prepare a space, even in our finances, that God, this is for you to come in and commune. This is for you to move. This is for you to do what you wanna do. This is for your life-changing message for you to commune and hang. It reminds me of the 10 virgins. Jesus told a parable of the ten virgins. He said, five of, they were all waiting for the bridegroom to come. Five of them were unprepared. They had just enough oil in their lamps that they could make it for a few hours. The other five had oil in their lamps and they brought extra jar of oil. And the Bible says that soon enough, the five who didn't bring enough started running out and their lamps were going out. And they started looking to the, uh, uh, to, to the virgins who had made a place. And prepared a space for God to move. They came extra. And they said, God, anything you want to do, I got extra. I've got room for you to be God and for me to be a follower of God. The others were like, here's how much room I got for you. If I run out, I miss out. The Bible says that those five virgins who were unprepared and had no room had to go try to buy something last second and they missed out. And the door was closed and they could not enter in. Even Zacchaeus, when Jesus surprised him one day, he was up in a tree. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he, right? And so he's up in a tree. And Jesus says, today I must eat at your house. And he makes place and prepares a space. And when the meal is over, Zacchaeus says, I'll give away. I I, I have robbed people. I've taken too much. I will start making room in my finances to give back for the kingdom of God to be expanded. Do you have a place? Have you prepared a space in your finances that God can move? Here is an example of. Most of our budgets, right? If you put that first one up there, um, this is what a lot of our financial or household budgets might look like. The entire pie is filled up with stuff I got going on housing, savings, transportation, fun and recreation, health, utilities, spending. The whole thing is used up on me, myself, and my family. But God teaches a different principle. He teaches us to make a place and to prepare a space which Looks like this, and I'm encouraging you can you make a, a 10% place where you just say, God, you can do whatever you want to do? You be God. It gets so exciting to see what God can do in the, in the allotment that we've given to God. My wife and I tithe at, at 10%, and we are so excited what God does with that 10% more than we are with what God does with the 90%. Because he does some amazing things. Do you know, as a church, this is one of our principles too, by the way, that ten percent of everything that anything, anyone ever gives at Live Church, ten percent goes on further because we're making a place and preparing a space bigger than just saying what you want to do at Live Church. We give away locally, local missions, national missions, global missions, and we get so excited hearing the testimonies of what God's doing beyond what we normally have. Can you make a place and prepare a space in your finances? Number two, can God use your possessions? Can God use your possessions? You know, the guest room in this story is very similar it's eerily similar to when jesus sent two disciples out and he said i'm about to go on a parade into jerusalem i need you to go get me a donkey and they were like how you want me to get you a donkey and he said why don't you enter into the city when you find the tied up donkey start untying it when the owner asks hey what you doing just say the lord hath need of it right that's the same thing going on in this story right when you go into the city there's going to be a man carrying a jar of water and when he says to say to the owner, Where's the guest room? And he'll go, It's right up here. Everything's prepared for you. In other words, are we gonna be the type of people like a donkey owner and like the owner of a guest room who when Jesus shows up and says the Lord hath need of it, we say, right this way, or will we be like Bethlehem and say, like innkeepers, there ain't no room. You can't use my stuff. You can't use my place. It's all loaned out. It's full of me. It's full of us. It's full of ours. It's full of mine. (laughs) You you can't use this. Can God use your spare room? Can God use your house? Can He use your boat? Can He use your timeshare? Can He use your truck? (laughs) Just two weeks ago, I sent an email out to our dream team, and I said, "Do you have a truck that can pull a trailer?" It takes two trailers to get to lift church, to bring all this gear inside and to turn a movie theater into a church. How many of y'all think they're doing a pretty good job? Come on. Y'all get up for our dream team. Come on. 53 people said yes to serving this morning, and we do this as a team of volunteers. I don't own a truck. I don't got me a Chevy Malibu. I could back up that Chevy Malibu to the trailer, and it'll rip the bumper off my Chevy Malibu. Why? Because we all have different gifts and possessions and things, and I, I'm so thankful for the people who go, I got a truck, and I can pull a trailer. You, God can use my truck. If he could use his donkey, if he could use his guest room, he can use my GMC Silverado. Bless God. It's American. <laughs> Can he use your truck? Can he use your stuff? Write this down. Everything that's ours is his. Everything that's ours is his. Most of us might understand that already. Some of us are starting to figure out, I thought it was mine. It's really his. The Bible says all your stuff was created by him, and it's given to you by him, and he is the provider of everything. And so if it's all his, then I am merely a steward of what he's given me and so if the lord hath need of it then i gotta throw out the excuses they might break my donkey (laughs) what if they wreck the guest room i gotta set up just like i like make sure they take off their shoes no sandals on that white carpet up there worked really hard got this house buttoned up got this car looking all nice and shiny no one can use it right i know This gets challenging for me, and it probably will remain challenging when I think about my kids. Many of you have decided, like my wife and I did, that we would get uh, our kids dedicated to the Lord whenever they were first born. And so we brought them into the church, and we we had a pastor pray over them. and, And the pastor asked this, do you give your child back to God? Do you realize that you are merely a steward of their life? And I said, yes. It's real easy when they're young to go, This is all on you, God. I like it on you because I don't know how to keep a little newborn infant alive. Praise God for my wife. Because when the doctor said, You could go home now, I said, Are you sure? I looked at my wife, Are you sure? Are we ready to go home? I don't know how to keep them from choking. My wife's like, they can't choke on their spit. That makes me feel a lot better. I get really nervous around newborn babies. Choking just scares the crud out of me. And so whenever a baby, I will be having a conversation with you over here. And if I hear a baby just, (laughs) I go, what's going on? (laughs) My wife's like, chill out. (laughs) My wife was glad when our babies grew up past that age, right? I still get nervous about that. And and this is the air I breathe. Talk about throwback. Okay, anyway. So I said very readily, yeah, I give this child back to God. Then he starts challenging them and using them in ways you're not comfortable. And you're like, that's my child, God. <laughs> I'm going to send them on this awesome God-planned work across the nation. That's my child. <laughs> they will go to college right here, <laughs> right next to me, because that's my child, right? We, we have a problem sometimes of saying, God, this is yours. No, it's mine. No, it's yours. No, it's mine. This is my guest room. This is my donkey. This is my child, right? We got to stay open-handed. On this throwback Sunday, how about we throw back what's ours to him? Throw it back. Go, God, I lost some perspective on that. We all think it's his until he says, hey, where's the guest room? And you go, I didn't know if I wanted you to use that. (laughs) But the Lord hath need of it. I don't know. He can use the next-door neighbors. (laughs) Number three, can God use your calendar? Can God use your calendar? If the disciples don't make a place and prepare a space in their calendar, guess what? They're going to understand Jesus is the Messiah, but they're not going to follow him because I'm going back home to the house I live in. I just got a new ox. I just got a new fishing boat. I just got, I just got married. I, I, I got this. I'm surprised at Peter's response, because we know Peter was married, and yet he left everything to follow Jesus. And, and will you make a place and prepare a space in your calendar so it's not so full that from the moment I open my eyes to the moment I close my eyes, I got no place for him? Oh, we make a place and prepare a space for social media every other five minutes. Oh, I need to check my feet. 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 Hey, pastor comes up. Hey, when's the last time you spent time in a depot with God? I don't have time for that. <laughs> I have not made a place. I have not intentionally prepared a space that if God says, hey, I want to talk with you, I go, I'm ready. I got a pen. Speak, Lord, for I am listening. And if you're not just going to speak in prayer, you've already spoken. So as I get out my pen, I just read and speak, Lord, for I am listening. I'm reading the ancient ways, the throwback ways, the timeless ways. And I'm going back in the middle of all kinds of trends. I'm making sure I'm in the ancient ways. Do you have a place? Have you prepared a space that God can move? This is what maybe your day planner needs to become looking like. I want to make this as practical as I possibly can. Put that next picture up there. Just say, okay, if I wake up at 6 o'clock from 6 to 6.30, I don't care if it's 15 minutes. If you've never done this before, start with 10 minutes. 10 minutes with God in your Bible and prayer will transform the rest of the day. I'm just telling you, if you'll give them a, a just make a place, prepare a space where you say, no one can intrude. Can Can I be very practical with you? That means you take out your phone. This is what I do. Take out my phone. I go downstairs where I'm away from everybody else. I have a set time that's allotted. That means I set my alarm earlier than I need to in order to shower, eat, and get out the door to be where I got to be. Because I've made a place and I've prepared a space. And then I sit down, I put my phone on do not disturb. You better take that technology and throw it somewhere. And if you're actually going to use a smart Bible, you better put it on do not disturb or else Satan will find every reason in the world to disturb you. Or your friends will. Or you could tell your friends, get behind me, Satan. Okay, anyway, no. <laughs> bunch of y'all going to be like, busting on your friends tomorrow morning. Get behind me, Satan. no." Oh, I'm just saying good morning. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on Do Not Disturb. Maybe open up Spotify or Apple Music, whatever subscription you m- might listen to. I put it on Instrumental Worship. I found a playlist, not one I created. I just found Instrumental Christian Worship. I, just, I put that on, and sometimes I'll even, if I've got to be somewhere specifically, I'll put it on Sleep Timer. Give me 15 minutes. For the next 15 minutes, I will not touch this. No email. All the emails can wait. All the social media can wait. My kids can wait they need to see, I serve God highest. And so, if you want your Cheerios, your tricks will be served up in just another 15 minutes. Go away. You might have to put in your earpods, right? I put that on silence mode. That way, they feel comfortable walking up to me and they're like, Dad. And I'm just making a place, preparing a space. And when they're done, they look very exasperated. I, And it goes into transparency mode. I say yes, and you're like, Daddy. (laughs) I'm gonna make a place and prepare a space for you for the rest of the day. I'm gonna spend some time with God right now. Can he have a portion of your calendar? Number four. Can God use your relationships? I'm going to get my wife to come up here real quickly as I begin to close. Can God use your relationships? This, is what I, this, this means I have to make a place and prepare a space for God to move in my marriage and in my kids. I have to be intentional with this. You know it true because if you're not intentional with it, we often wear signs that say this is how it's always been. Put that lovely necklace on, man. That's bling, baby. I bought you some pearls. Look it up in there. Look at them pearls up on my wife. She's looking good. And you know that this happens invisibly and mentally in your head. You start looking at things, and this is how it's always been. It's not going to change any. It's not going to get any different. It's as good as it gets. You're always leaving that out. You're always talking about what I always and never do. Come on. We do this with friendships. We do this with relationships. No, I got the mic. You can't say nothing. <laughs> we need to actually make a place and prepare a space that in my mind I might be viewing things as this is how it's always been. But then I've got to come over and I've got to change the, w- oh, of course, the wet wipe. I don't know. Somebody bring me a wet wipe up in here. Okay. Yeah. We practice on, this junk at home. Somebody got to give me a Lysol wet wipe up in here. Okay. Let me reach out over here. We got some biactive up in here. That's the good stuff right here. Come on. Holler back. Throw back. There we go. All right. Look at that. Come on. Oh, Meg. Look at you, Meg. I love you in this place here. Come on. Listen, we got to come in here and say, you know what? I can't look at things that way anymore. I've got to make a place. This might be hard because maybe there's some habits. Maybe there's some things that are, maybe there's some attitude. Maybe there's some, I, I, don't, I don't know. But I, all I know is that I've got to come in here and I've got to make a place. I've got to prepare a space for God to move. For the Holy Spirit to say, love her like Christ loved the church. Will you die for her again today? What about your kids? That attitude's rotten. I'm about to teach them about this attitude, or I can make a place and prepare a space for God to move before Daddy gets mad. Let's let's sit down. Let's talk a little bit about how God's called us to live. Let's talk about our values a little bit because God gave us these values. We're gonna be we're gonna be biblical people, and which means that. We're going to treat our friends the way we want to be treated so i don't really like that attitude i saw and if i look at things like this is how it's always going to be we can get frustrated right am i the only one but if we choose to say god i'm going to make a place i'm going to prepare a guest room if you want to sit down and commune with me i need you to have some communion i need to have communion with you today i need you i'm the owner of the house But I'm making a place and preparing a space Thank you so much Thank you so much Y'all give it up for my lovely wife This means I I, I don't return attitude for attitude I make a place and prepare a space for God I don't say no to another drive Back over on that side of town But I make the extra drive out to church events Because I'm going to make a place and prepare a space for God to move it, It means I don't allow any influence in my kid's life but I'm going to actually make a place and prepare a space for God to move in the influences of their life. We ain't going to watch that on Netflix. You're not going to hang out with that child much longer. Right? I'm going to make a place. I'm sorry. Call it protective. I call it parenting. I'm going to make a place. I'm going to prepare a space for my child to be a follower of God. So I make a place to prepare a space to discuss who God is in my life. I do this not just with my family, but I do it from the barber chair. I got a fresh haircut this past week. I made a place for God to move in the barber chair. And he talked back with me about how God's moving in his life. I do it on the ball field. I do it anywhere. Can you make a place and prepare a space in your relationships? So I finish with Galatians 2.20, and then I'm going to pray. The Bible says this. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, in other words, this new life in the body, I have made a place and prepared a space in my house for God to move. He says, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. There is room for God to move. Father, I pray that we would all get a room. If you would, just lay your hand over your heart. If you'll receive this. Say, Father, I make room. I make room. You can have my guest room. You can have room in my budget. You can have room in my relationships. You can have room in my calendar, God. I'm going to make room. And right now, as the Holy Spirit challenges some of you, you know which area it is. Just determine in your heart, I'm going to make room. Oh, it might be uncomfortable at first, but I believe that spending time with Jesus, there's going to be significance. There's going to be purpose. Your life's calling could weigh in the balance of just making space, preparing a place for God to move. Father. Wherever you have challenged them, I pray, Father, that you would give them the boldness and the courage to change things. The courage to speak that. I have set up new boundaries in my calendar. I've set up new boundaries in my relationships. I've set up new boundaries in my budget. I've set up new boundaries with saying yes to what God's given us. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that we make a place and prepare a space in Jesus' name. And before I close, with every head bowed and every eyes closed, if you haven't made a place or prepared a space beyond a Sunday morning, 75 minutes with God, that's how much space I've given Him. Then I want you to know that Jesus came on this earth. He lived and He died for something more than that. I used to believe that as long as I just spent time with God on a Sunday morning, some measure of time, God was happy with me. And if I died today, I would go to heaven. And your problem is, you'll never find that in the Bible. The Bible says that He knows that you have a sin problem. He knew that I had a sin problem. He knew that if I had to stand before God, I wouldn't be too proud of things I did yesterday, things I did earlier today, things I did last week, and things I did three years ago. I had shame. I had regrets. But the Bible says this, that Jesus lived an innocent life, and he died a criminal's death so that the guilty could be made innocent again. He traded his innocence for your guilt so that your guilt could look like innocence on you. It's only by faith. If you're in this place and you say, that's what I need. I have, my soul is full of shame and regrets, but that's what I need. I need to make a place to prepare a space that God can just come in and I say from this point forward, my life is yours. I want to follow you. If you're in this place, on the count of three, I want you to just raise your hand up high. Uh, uh, Number one, I'm not going to call you out, and I am not going to embarrass you. Number two, come on, today could change your life. If that's you, number three, just lift your hand up high. Say, Pastor Drew, it's a new day. I'm going to make a place, prepare a space. Come on, right now, up high. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for opening up your heart and your life to him. People online right now, I thank you. Just say in the chat, that's me. Include me in that prayer. Come on, church. Let's pray together. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He says if we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior and believe it in our heart, he'll save us from all of our sins. Let's pray. Say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I need you as a Savior. I've messed up, I've done some things wrong I've got shame and regret But I thank you for Jesus Came out of heaven The son of God living amongst us To die in my place He took the cross He was beaten, he was beaten He was wounded for my innocence God I love you I accept what Jesus did for me and now I'm a brand new person. In the name of Jesus Christ, help me to live for You and honor You for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, and the and the.